And now to him who leads us in fresh ways to enjoy the Bible. He's the author of 14 Fresh Ways to Enjoy the Bible and has taught the Bible at the Moody Bible Institute for over 20 years in both the seminary and undergraduate school. With us this morning is Dr. Jim Coakley. And good morning, Jim. Good morning, Deb. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, it's great. Uh, of course, we're well into the thick of our uh, spring semester, but uh, great always to spend some time with the Quad Cities listeners. And it is always a pleasure to have you with us. I, I love your insight. I love what you bring uh, so that we can focus and learn. And uh, today we're kind of focusing on uh, praising, right, and and the doxologies. Is that is that right? I got it that yeah, in the right area? Yeah. We're going to talk about doxologies. It's kind of a, a, a small subsection, I guess, of uh, genres in the Scripture. You know, normally we think about poetry or narrative or epistles. Uh, but uh, pepper throughout uh, both the Old and New Testament are these little, all of a sudden, you know, benedictory, uh, doxological kind of bursts that just appear on the pages of God's Word. And we just want to analyze and talk about them a little bit more this morning. So how can they be used as far as uh, praising? What, what, you know, what are some examples that we can use uh, to just encourage us and, and praise God? Well, you know, most of the Psalms, of course, are, you know, in a sense, ascribing, you know, attributes towards God, thanking Him for what He, who He is and what He's done. Uh, but there's something about even praises, even heightened music, but doxologies and benedictions are just a little bit more a ratcheting up of that, you know, that the kind of heightened language. And they just really uh, kind of, uh, in a sense, are used, I think, to just kind of cinch the deal that we really have a great God. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. When I thought of doxologies, immediately I thought of how we end the service usually, usually right, is right. you usually hear a doxology, but also that it always turns our eyes to God. It always turns to who he is. And it's, and it's like you are praising him yourself. Is that, why, is that why it's so powerful, just because it speaks deeper into our very being as we say the doxologies? Yeah, I think it does kind of center us. It kind of grounds us. They're deeply theological in nature. And so they just kind of, uh, in a sense, kind of put away all of the other things that could uh, kind of get in the way of just describing uh, great qualities of who God is and what he's done for us. And uh, in a sense, they are that kind of parting word to kind of linger in our minds and our hearts. And that's why they're so powerful medium of communication. What are some that stick out to you that just hit home and that really work your heart, uh, what are some of <laughs> your top two, your top five, that type of thing, not to be silly about it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the ones that uh, I, I kind of in my mind think about the two different kinds of doxologies, because there's those that are just really fully directed towards God. You know, we just describe some attributes to him, but then there's those that are more like priest-like. What I mean by that is there is something where we ask God to do something for us as an audience. And so those priest-like uh, doxologies are the ones that, you know, oftentimes pastors uh, will say or recite some variation of them at the end of the service. And so for me, I think, you know, Hebrews chapter 13 and Jude 24 and 25 mm. are just powerful doxologies because they not only ascribe worth to God and glory to God, but they invoke him, ask him to do something for us as well. So as we look at these different doxologies, I'm, I'm looking through some of the ones that you shared with us, and 
One that's my favorite is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. A lot of times I'll say that part, but I often forget according to his power that works in us to bring him glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. So how how can we use these doxologies in life? And maybe there's some warnings on how not to use them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great, uh, great question. I mean, I think the idea is uh, they do kind of punctuate certain things. I mean, Paul in Ephesians has just gone through the first uh, couple chapters of giving great, great theology. And it's almost like you just have to stop and praise and just say, hey, let's for a moment, let's just give God all the glory that we can muster at this point. And so that's what doxology means. It's a word of glory. Uh, and so now, in a sense, we can't give God any more glory than he already has. He already has it all. But we ascribe to him all those uh, great attributes. And it's just a way for us to kind of acknowledge who we are and who he is and that we owe everything to him and he is deserving of all that. And so like, yeah, like you say in Ephesians, uh, it's just kind of that I love most of them have this now. All of a sudden, it's a immediate kind of pause to just say, now to him, now to him. And it just uh, kind of, in a sense, takes away all of the distractions that we've been maybe facing and, and circumstances we've been going through and just say, hey, wait a second, let's just, let's just stop here and just acknowledge the glory of God. I know in in writing, uh, when you're trying to write an article, you're putting together a paper of some sort. There's usually uh, a paragraph, perhaps, or a sentence or two that kind of tries to make a concise statement about the content around that particular paragraph. Is that, in a a way, kind of what the doxologies do as well, is that there's a a punctuation and an emphasis, maybe a, a brief explanation of the Scripture that it is within, contained within? I don't know if I would say that they're thematic, but they certainly are structural in the sense that they kind of provide a a break uh, to where we can segment the the content. And also it gives kind of emotional release because you think about it. I mean, you've been learning in a sense in your head about all this great theology, but it needs to do something. And so then it results in us, in a sense, uh, taking it and giving it back to God, all that we've learned and just acknowledging uh, all those kind of things. So the book of Psalms, many people don't maybe recognize that there's five books to the Psalms, and it's not just people coming up with that, it's that they've seen that there's these doxological statements at the end of each book that are very similar to each other. So whoever it was uh, that put the book of Psalms together, you know, in a sense, because we know God inspired, but they were collected over time because one was written by, you know, Moses and several were written by David and some even later, even post-exilic. And so whoever it was that put it together in the final form recognized there's a structure to it. And in a sense, after every book, there's this great doxological kind of statement. And then at the very end of the last five Psalms all begin with a very doxological kind of thing. So clearly uh, the whole book of Psalms is, uh, is doxological in nature. So, Jim, is the use of doxology something that we should employ more in our life and in our daily response to what God is doing in us and through us and through his church or even speaking over each other before we part? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's why the two types that I think of at doxologies, we always need to praise. Uh, and so those that are solely directed on God's attributes, you know, like the one you just mentioned on Ephesians chapter 3. But then I do think we should have this uh, kind of, dare I say, priest-like function, because mm-hmm. we are probably the priesthood mm-hmm. of the believer. One of the things we should be doing is blessing one another. Uh, and mm-hmm. I look at the patriarch uh, of Abraham and then Jacob, Jacob, uh, Abraham was to be a blessing to all the nations, but sadly he brought, you know, a sense curse upon Egypt and things because of his, his choices that he made. And Jacob, the scoundrel, but then we see him at the end of his life. And what's he doing? He's blessing Pharaoh. He's blessing mm-hmm. his children. And there's something about the uh, a priest-like pronunciation upon God's you know, in a sense, work upon others around us. And that's, uh, you know, that's why those, uh, you know, more priest-like doxologies, Numbers chapter 6, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's why, you know, pastors recite those kind of things at the end of the service, because it just kind of, I think this kind of cinches, you know, really what we're all about, which is, yes, praise God, but we're also invoking God to do more in our lives. You, you mentioned the, the numbers 6, 24, and 26. That is one of my favorites, and because mm-hmm. there's so many wonderful memories that is associated with that, a wonderful church that I attended, that's how the pastor always ended every mm-hmm. sermon. And it was meaningful to me because it it helped me to understand God's love for us mm-hmm. is as it was you know bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you there was there was an expression of God's love that I don't know just really spoke to my heart when we're talking about these these things is I would think that it could also be used wonderfully in expressing to others about God's love and his dedication to us and his love uh, for us and wanting us to be our best, it, almost as a, a way to share the gospel with others. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's the whole thing. I mean, we think about what these doxologies are doing. Of course, they're calling to God. They're deeply theologically uh, rich, and they're focused, of course, on, on God, but they're also missional. Uh, mm. because this is, uh, in a sense, where we're all doing. I remember John Piper writing a book several years ago, basically missions is make sure more people can give glory to God right. uh, because he is worthy. And so, in a sense, this is missional in the sense that we need to get as many people of God's creatures to be able to acknowledge the greatness and glory of God and to you know, enter into his family and uh, to join in that great uh, doxological celebration of praise towards him. So we're starting off the day, Jim, and we could really use one of those doxologies. Would you mind speaking one over our lives as we start our day? Yeah, uh, coming up, I'm going to be speaking on Jude 24 and 25, so it's been really in my heart mm. uh, a lot the last couple of weeks. So I'd like to use that one as I close. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. 
Amen. Well, Jim, thank you so much for spending time uh, with us. Thank you for your wisdom and for your dedication to, to seek wisdom from God and to share it with us. We appreciate you, brother. Oh, you are so welcome. Blessings on all of our listeners, and I mean that truly. 